Good morning, church. Uh, 2020 is still happening. We're still stuck in the longest year ever. Um, <laughs> last time I was up here, uh, I talked about apprenticing under Jesus and practicing to be more like him through spiritual disciplines. Disciplines like reading his word, um, disciplines like prayer, spending time with him, quiet time in the morning, fasting, stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure that some of you uh, practice things like that. Uh, those are part of your daily, weekly routine. Uh, every week, every day, you, you wake up in the morning and you spend quiet time with God. Or you wake up in the morning, you read a psalm, or you read uh, a scripture passage, or, or you just wake up and you pray. Uh, maybe it's at the end of your day. At some point, part of your day is met by one of those routines and habits, um, just so you can learn more about Him, grow closer to Him in your walk. Um, I'm sure others of you probably struggle with forming habits or routines of any kind. Uh, I'm probably more in that category. I am terrible at, at forming habits. Um, and, it, and if I'm being honest, I'm a little embarrassed by it uh, because I, I do think it's something that it's really important. And I try really hard, but I just I, I struggle with it. Um, but I think that whether you're in the first group or the second group, we can all agree that 2020 has been somewhat of a routine killer or a habit destroyer. Um, there's so many aspects of following Jesus uh, that are usually a delight or were once a delight that have become a discipline during this season, um, that have become something that's been hard. Um, like even coming to church in person, there's now all these added steps. You need to make sure you're wearing a mask. You need to make sure you're socially distant. And then worst of all, uh, even though you're here, it's not exactly the same. Uh, there's people you're missing in your community. There's people not here that you get to see every week that you would have normally gotten to see, things that we would have normally done on a Sunday morning that maybe we don't do uh, exactly the same. Um, and, and that requires a, a certain amount of discipline just to, to come, knowing it's going to be different. Um, and, and then, for all of those who are on the live stream, um, that's another whole different type of discipline to, to watch through the live stream, uh, to, to get your mind ready and focused and, and get your heart in a, in a place to worship at the same place where you watch The Bachelorette and The Mandalorian and uh, you take nap the other day and you can just get up at any moment and, and get a snack. Like I, I'm being honest, like I think that would be a struggle for me and it was whenever we were all doing live stream, that was a struggle to keep focused and even more so, they are, you're, you're cut off even more from your community, from the people uh, that, you, that you follow Jesus with. Um, and that can just be, uh, that can, it can be easy right now uh, to want to just give up. Because all of these things, even outside of our Christian life, uh, things that used to be a delight are just a little bit more of a, a discipline. And it can be easy to want to just stop trying, um, to sleep in, to skip a week or two, um, to say, uh, I'll just wait for normal to get back, and then I'll start taking this seriously. Um, so today, what I want to talk about is something, like I said before, I'm speaking out of my own weakness. Uh, I'm speaking out of something that I want to grow in, in, my area, in, the area of my, in this area of my spiritual life. Uh, and, and like I said before, I'm, I'm terrible at forming habits. You can ask my wife. Um, I, I can be pretty erratic, and I probably, uh, I probably tell her 
every day something new that I want to start making a habit. Um, and, and like honestly, I probably told her all of these this week that I, I want to start working out. I want to start walking the dog more. I want to start reading more. I want to meet with this person more every week. I need to start watching less TV. I need to learn to cook. I need to get more sleep. I need to wake up earlier. I need to uh, start eating more vegetables. Okay, that last one was a lie. I never say that. Um, but the rest of those, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've told Lexi just this week. Um, so now, now that you're all thinking, wow, Mark is a mess. Um, I hope you know that today I'm speaking out of my own weakness, uh, and I'm still very much learning all of this myself. And the thing that I want to talk about is uh, perseverance. Uh, perseverance. And where I'm getting this is uh, the letter of James. Um, the letter of James was written to the early church as, as a whole. And unlike Paul's letters, which are usually written to uh, specific communities like the Corinthians or the Romans or the Ephesians, James... Um, James was more of a collection of the wisdom of James, who was a leader of the church of Jerusalem and seen kind of as a leader of the whole church. And so, James, uh, in this letter, he begins it with a teaching that would have brought clarity and meaning to the experiences of everyone in the early church. Experiences marked by persecution, marked by uh, political unrest, marked by separation from home and community, um, and various other trials. And so, for communities of Jesus followers who are facing moments just like the ones we are in right now, James offers us this wisdom. James 1, 2 through 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to do something this morning that may be a little funky, um, but we are going to work through these verses backwards. I want to start at the end and go to the, to the beginning. Um, and I think, and the reason I'm doing that is because I think that if we want to agree with what James is saying at the beginning of these verses, we all have to agree with what he's saying at the end. Uh, we all have to agree with what he's saying at the end of the verse. Um, and what he says at the end is that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So to agree with the stuff that he says before this, we need to agree with James that this is the goal of everyone that is following Jesus. This is the goal of someone following Jesus, that every day we are hoping to, and working to become more and more like Jesus, who as a human was the perfect example of someone that was completely mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the word complete in Greek, I'm going to use my Greek knowledge, get a little ner nerdy. Um, the word complete in Greek is uh, teleos, and it means free from any deficiency, omission, or corruption of integrity relative to character, personal identity, or an avowed objective. It's a mouthful. Uh, the verb form, which I think simplifies it maybe a little bit, which is talio, means uh, to bring to a point at which nothing is missing, to bring to the ultimate point of maturation. That's a fun word, right? Maturation. Um, and then the root word of both of those those Greek words is telos, 
Um, it's used several times throughout uh, the New Testament, um, and, it, and it means an end, but not just any kind of end, but an end uh, that marks culmination uh, or an ending that is marked by completion or wholeness. Um, and then finally, telos, that last word, it can actually be used in English. It's been transliterated. So if you look in an English dictionary, you can find the word telos, um, and it can be used with the definition ultimate goal or aim. So the ultimate end of a person. Um, and so I think that if you look at all of this, um, the ultimate goal or the telos of a Jesus follower is to be telios, telios, which is to be a complete person, a whole person, without any inconsistencies of character or corruption, uh, to be transformed into someone like Jesus. And if this is not your telos as a Jesus follower, um, if this is not your ultimate goal, uh, then everything else James talks about before this will probably sound a little crazy. Um, it probably won't make sense. It may even be a little aggravating. Um, so that's where I want to start. That is, that is our telos. That is our ultimate goal as Jesus followers. So in the first two verses, James gives us the two ingredients he believes are necessary to meet this ultimate goal, to reach this ultimate goal. And then he also gives us uh, one positive side effect. So going back one more verse, uh, James says, You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So James believes that perseverance through trials does a work in us that leads us towards our telos um, of becoming mature and complete in Jesus. And I think it's important how he says that. He says, let perseverance finish its work. Almost as if perseverance is a force of nature that's going to do something to you whether uh, you want it to or not, if you allow it to. If you allow it to do what it's going to do, it's going to happen to you. The problem is, we usually don't let it uh, do it. We stop it before it does anything. Um, at least not in the things that matter. We, we stop the things, uh, we, we stop all the things that, uh, that maybe are bad habits. We let those persevere. Um, but the things that are forming us into Christ, uh, we, we usually don't let those, those stay on. And I know from my own experience that often the first things that lose their place are things like Bible reading and prayer and fasting and, and silence and solitude or maybe um, my time with other Christians, I, my, my small group times or my uh, even coming to church on Sunday. Those are the first things to go because usually when I'm making my schedule, those are the last things I put in there. I say, okay, I get all these things done and then if I have time, I'll get, I'll get to this stuff. And you'd think that a year like this year would have made it a little bit easier to get that right um, because most of us were given a pretty clean slate at one point. Our calendars were clear. Probably for the first time in years, we got to the point in our day where we might add something to our calendar and we didn't have anything. We had a month, just nothing. And I remember when that first happened to me in March, I thought, okay, I'm never going to go back to as busy as I was before. I do not want to be as disjointed or, or confused or, or just going in every which way like I was before. When things start up again, I want to make sure I say no to a lot more things. I want to make sure I get my priorities straight. 
And I'm sure a lot of you are right there with me. You notice things like, oh, I was doing this way too much. I need to stop doing that, or I need to start doing this more. And it's weird how as the wheels of society have kind of started moving again, turning again, um, our new normals are ending up looking a lot like our old normals. It's, like, it sickens me how quickly I've slid back into some habits as I've been able to. Um, habits not built on discipline or, or perseverance, but actually the lack thereof. Um, I've, instead of becoming more like Christ, I'm becoming more like a couch potato, or I'm becoming more like a really, really busy person. Um, I didn't have a good analogy for that, so I just said a really, really busy person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, and I say that I want to be formed into Christ-likeness. I say that. I think that. I want that. But my habits say otherwise. I'm a disjointed, incomplete, corrupt person. Uh, I am not Talaios. I am I'm incomplete. I'm not whole. Um, and so if my habits aren't pointing me to this thing, if, the, if you have, are in the same place where you want something, you, you think you want this, you say you want to be more like Christ, but your habits aren't pointing you in that direction, that's where you're at as well. You're incomplete, and you're wanting to grow in maturity and completion and, and wholeness. You're wanting to be a whole person where the things you think and the things you want become the things that you do. Um, but uh, we lack the perseverance. But even in non-2020 years, perseverance is necessary to build our habits and our disciplines we need to be formed by Christ. Um, if, our dis- if our good disciplines aren't persevering right, our, dad- our bad disciplines will. Um, and I know that discipline probably isn't like a popular word. I've said it a lot already. Uh, it's not a popular word in our culture. Uh, it kind of makes us all like, ugh, discipline. I don't like that that much. Um, we're a very anti-discipline culture. Um, we love telling the man no, sticking it to the man, right? Um, and I mean... That's also just kind of in our DNA as Americans. Like, we don't like being told what to do, you know? Um, and, and even especially in the lifetime of a lot of the people that, that live in the United States, a lot of people in our congregations, in our city, uh, you can see several um, different countercultural movements of the 60s and the 90s where that was the dominant culture was to be counter um, and, and there's probably way more than those. I'm not like an expert on counterculture. I just watch TV. Um, uh, but I heard recently that the way that the culture of the Western world is uh, described by people that are smart and study this stuff, specifically the culture of the United States, um, is an anti-culture. An anti-culture. So the, uh, the definition of culture um, is... Uh, the shared beliefs, values, attitudes, and practices of a group. But due to the aggressively individualistic nature of our culture, of the United States, our most shared value and belief is the irrelevance of shared values and beliefs. That's becoming more and more the case. Uh, And so the United States has become a culture that is starting to be against culture. Uh, We're a culture against culture. Um, and so, since its foundation, uh, the church has been called to be countercultural. So what does it look for us to be counter-anti-culture? Uh, and I believe the answer to that is discipline. Um, 
I believe the answer to that is discipline. For us to boldly live by a set of shared values and beliefs with discipline and perseverance. For us to be a true community culture working towards that one telos, uh, that one telios with indiv- within the individualistic anti-culture. All that to say, um, if you're like, oh, I don't really like the word discipline, discipline's cool now. Uh, waking up in the morning and, and reading your Bible and spending time with God is countercultural. That's how you fight against the man. That's how you be different, right? Uh, so that's, uh, that's what we're called to. And keeping up those disciplines um, transform us into Christ-likeness. Um, but what James tells us here is what transforms us even more dramatically is perseverance uh, through trials. And James isn't talking about persevering through, uh, you know, wanting to sleep in 30 more minutes or, you know, holding off on not eating that last piece of chocolate cake. I mean, he's talking about real trials, um, 2020 types of trials. Trials where the church building is closed. Trials where we're cut off from our communities. Trials where we have loved ones in the hospital, trials where we are constantly afraid for our own health or the health of people around us, trials of job loss, financial strain, trials of political and racial unrest, trials of division and hate. And James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Has that been your response uh, to this year? Pure joy? Maybe your second response? Did you at least consider it? No, I didn't think so. I mean, me either. Um, but what James is telling us here that, is that when we persevere in our discipline of following Jesus in the midst of trials, we are being transformed into Christ's likeness, and this should bring us joy. Pure joy. Remember when I said James might sound crazy? Um, If your ultimate goal isn't to mature into a whole person in Christ, then this will sound crazy. And even if it is your goal, um, it doesn't sound easy. And it maybe just sound a little like sickly optimistic. Or to those of you who have been hit really hard by this year, um, It may even be a little offensive to think that we're supposed to be joyful. And sometimes we can hear verses like this, and and we think um, that the call of the Christian is to be forever joyful and optimistic and dismissive of our real feelings. It can even lead us to feel guilty for feeling things other than joy. Um, And and we think that, uh, well, the call of a Christian is to be a happy person, not a sad person. But I think uh, even Jesus, when you look at him, um, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Or as another translation says, blessed are those who are at the end of their rope. So I don't really think that's what James is getting at here. I mean, he knows that the stories of Jesus who felt sorrow and who wept, I mean, he knew Jesus. He knew that Jesus Uh, was a a full, complete person. Um, 
And I think part of what James is getting at here is that part of becoming a complete and whole person um, means coming to grip with our whole self. We're not just a mind and a spirit, but we're a body. And we're full of complex emotions and traits. And this complex bodily reality, full of trials and sufferings, is the reality that Jesus stepped into. So to ignore any of that is to act less like Jesus, not more like him. So what James introduces us to here, actually, is the strange paradox of following Jesus. How our greatest joy is becoming more like Jesus, who experienced human suffering and trials to their fullest and most real extent. So as Jesus' followers... Our greatest joy will be found in our greatest sufferings. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, There's an author, his name's Eugene Peterson. Uh, You may know him as the person who wrote The Message. Um, He also wrote a lot of other books that are really good. Um, But he has a quote in his book, Run With the Horses, that I heard the other day, that has so much to say for those of us who are just over 2020. Um, Or maybe you're just over this moment, this week, this day, this sermon. (laughs) And if you find yourself waiting for some sort of normal to return, if you keep telling yourself that you are going uh, to start taking your relationship with God seriously, you know, once things settle down at home, once things settle down at work, maybe at church, once things settle down a little bit, um, then you'll get back at it. Uh, Eugene Peterson tells us this. He says, the only place you have to be human is where you are right now. The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances you are provided this very day. This house you live in, this family you find yourself in, this job you have been given, the weather conditions that prevail at this moment. We must learn to find the goodness of God in our actual life. Not tomorrow, but today. Not when X, Y, and Z happens, but right here and right now. Not in a fantasy, but in reality. So if you feel like you've been sleepwalking for eight months, it's time to wake up. As Switchfoot says... This is your life. Are you who you want to be? So find joy in the opportunity we have been given to persevere and to be transformed into Christ. Maybe the questions we need to be asking is, instead of how am I going to get out of this, we need to start asking what am I going to get out of this? What habits and disciplines are you keeping in your life that are transforming you into Christ? Are you numbing yourself to your sufferings or are you joining Christ in his suffering? Let perseverance finish its work in you.
So, how do we persevere? I think the answer can be found in communion, actually. Um, every time we talk about communion, whenever we're in a, a youth group, I, I always tell the kids the same two things um, I, that I think are, are really important and what I always try to think of whenever I'm, I'm, tie, I'm taking communion. Um, and those are uh, that we draw closer to God and that we draw closer to each other. I think perseverance is made so much easier in the context of community. So first with God, not only uh, do we get to join him in his sufferings, but he gets to join us in ours. And when we suffer, we become more like Christ. We become more like him. So when we take communion, we're celebrating uh, that strange joy of suffering. We say, Jesus, thank you for stepping into our world and suffering with us. Thank you for making a way for us to get into heaven that doesn't require perfection, but suffering. And second, we get to celebrate that we don't suffer alone. We have our brothers and sisters here with us. And not only do we get to join them in their sufferings, but they get to join us in ours, and we all do it as we join with Christ and he joins us. And so we get to say, God, thank you for putting me in a community that wants to become more like you. May we join in each other's sufferings. May we not require perfection, but encourage each other to persevere, that you would be able to finish your work in us. Let's pray this morning uh, as we enter communion. Dear God, uh, I pray that you can just do a work in us, God, um, that, we, that we see the, the strange joy of, of suffering, um, that, we, that we enter that in with you, that we realize that as, as we suffer, we are becoming more and more like you, God. Um, I pray that we feel the, the full range of, of emotions that hit us in our suffering, God, and know that all of those hit you as well, and that we just continue to find solidarity with you in that. We love you. We thank you for the community you've placed us in. And in Jesus' name, amen.